0: What a precious presence of the Lord. Thank you for your lives for him. Thank you for the way you have just poured out love to him. And I know everyone in this room. Thank you. Thank you for the way you have loved him and loved the body of Christ for years and many of you for decades and decades and decades. May his words feel like a thank you gift to you tonight we're at a very special place on the biblical calendar. We have come through Passover in the celebration of the Lamb and his blood and the birthing of us. We've come through Pentecost and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've just come through the month when the Israelites made the golden calf and the 12 spies went into Israel. It was kind of a month of choose you. Who do you really want to serve? And this Wednesday starts the month of Av. Av means father. It's the father's month. In Hebrew, it's the month of the father's compassions. Most know Av is the ninth of Av when The first temple and the second temple were destroyed. Or they also know it's the night of breaking glass, which was the escalation in the Holocaust. That this is a time of month where if you have any unresolved sorrows, heartaches, regrets, anything that has any heaviness to it, oh, this is the time to bring it to the Father. Now you can bring it any day of the year. But he has certain emphasis all throughout his calendar because he never wants us to get stuck. He wants to keep us moving in wholeness and body, soul, and spirit oneness with him and one another. And while the ninth of Av is a sadness of letting go of all the sadness, the 15th of Av is the day of love renewed. It's a birthing of love. It's a birthing of dreams. It's actually a day when a lot of Jewish people choose to get married. And then we're letting go of sorrows this month. We're receiving his love in deeper places than we've ever received it before. And then we will move by the end of the summer into the month of Elul. And that is the month when the picture in scripture, is that the king himself rises from his throne and comes to where you are to meet with you face to face and say, tell me, where's your heart? Where are your desires? And then when we come up to Rosh Hashanah, it is the image of God on his throne making proclamations of what his heart is for you for the next 12 months. Earlier this year, he spoke to us that the first quarter of 2023, he wanted to show to us revelations about who he is and who he is to us that we have not known. That he wanted to expand our foundations. And he met with us and he talked about how he was a God that serves. He met with us over communion and said, I am in the bread, I am in the cup. When you touch it, it is me. In the second quarter, he said, this is a time to transition. Be more intentional. Breathe in the truth of me and let me transform you. Let me transition you into the next place of oneness with me. And many of you were going through transitions in your own life in the second quarter. And he was saying, let me lead you to the next place. And he said, and in the third quarter, I want to lift you up and show you realms of love that I have as God that you have never known. And by the end of the quarter, he said, I am praying that you will love one another with a realm of love you have never experienced, that I will be so big in you, your love for one another will move closer and closer to the way I love you. And so I was praying and saying, Lord, how do we prepare to receive something that we've never heard before about you? We so easily can lock down into our mind, or this is the way he is, and this is the way he is. I said, how do we receive something that's new and and may be very different than you've ever told us about yourself and he reminded of first corinthians 2 9 and following he said i hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard and it's never entered the mind or the heart of man what i will do for the one who loves me but my spirit will reveal it so i pray tonight that you will feel the personal presence of Jesus. You will feel the Holy Spirit himself releasing truth. The first passage that he whispered is Psalm 100. So I'm going to confess. I'm praying you have new eyes and new ears because the depth of this psalm is, it just overwhelms me. If I'm real honest with you, I have wept and wept with this psalm in the last few days. So I'm going to walk you through the psalm and see if it resonates with you. The psalm is written, and I don't know if you've ever had these times, <laughs> the psalm is written As if you're kind of stuck in your journey. Or you're distracted in your soul with things that are going on in your life. Or you may feel like there's a stress or a heaviness on you. And so this psalm, he's saying, can I tell you a secret of the kingdom? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all ye earth." The picture is literally a noise, but it's a specific kind of noise. It's a noise that splits the ears and splits the atmosphere. It says It can be a shout, it can be an applause, it can be a proclamation, but the noise is to so come from the depths of you and your hunger that you let out the noise and it breaks the heaviness off of your body and soul. It breaks the weariness. It breaks the ceiling. It breaks the atmosphere over you. It's like a shofar in your spirit. It's like you're loosening something of your hunger and your longing, and it rises up as a loud noise. And then the image is the atmosphere in you has cracked. The atmosphere in your room cracks, and all of a sudden there's a holy quiet that follows. The English says, Serve the Lord with gladness. In the Hebrew, it is joyfully I am led by the Lord. The holiness falls. And now you're not thinking about yourself. You're not thinking about life. And you're thinking, I, I love to follow him. I love to follow him. Come before his presence with singing the images you're in his presence. And, and you're just filled with, I love to follow you, Lord. I love to follow. And then you begin to feel his presence coming closer to you. You you feel it's out there. And all you can do is sing to him. And the image is you're singing a love song of I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. And the atmosphere inside of you is changing. And you know, the Hebrew word, intimately, know, relationally, know that he is the Lord. He is God. And you are lost in the awe and the wonder of his majesty, his sovereignty that holds universes together. You are in awe of the perfect one, the majestic glory himself. And you're aware, oh, he made me. I did not make myself. And the image is now, and awe starts coming over you. Oh, my goodness, I am his. I belong to him. It's no longer something you just say. You're awakening to a new place and a new joy and freedom anoint. no I am his we are his people the Hebrew is we are his kinsmen we are his family and you trust oh Holy Spirit birth awe in me without awe and wonder we go back to legalism and rule so quickly oh Holy Spirit We are his family. And the awe comes, and you're not thinking about the things of daily life. You're choosing to focus on the awe that this most high God wants relationship with you. And it's like you hear it for the first time. And then the linchpin phrase for the whole psalm. We are the sheep of his pasture. The word for sheep there is actually small ones. We're the small ones. Small ones of migration is the Hebrew. We are the small ones that are migrating all throughout our life to this season with the Lord, and then this season with the Lord, and this season in the Lord, and at this place in the psalm, You're aware how fast He is and how low He has stooped to love us, to call us family, to say, No, you're my own. I've chosen you. And we're like, Oh, (laughs) I'm just a small one, God, (laughs) needing the shepherd to help me migrate from season to season. And then the psalm says a thanksgiving rises in us. I'm so grateful, God. I'm so grateful. And you just flood with gratitude like a geyser rising up inside of you. And you're just, I'm just grateful, God. I'm just thankful. And as you're lost in that thanksgiving, then you enter his gates. And the word for gates there is not the gates of a city It's the gates of a personal home. It's like somebody pulling into your driveway. When it says come into the courts with praise, the word courts is this inner part. For example, if you were coming to my house to enter my gates, you would pull in my driveway and come on in my house. Because I have a lot of people come in my house. But if you were entering my courts, you'd come sit down on the back porch with me. And the image is when we embrace, I'm a small one and I'm just grateful, I'm just grateful for you. Father says, come on into my personal home. And then we get lost in adoring him. Father, you're beautiful. You're amazing. You're love. Thank you for your son. We're just adoring and adoring him. And he says, Come on into my private room and let's let's talk and share with one another. And you're continuing to thank him. And now this word for thanks means I can't help myself. I'm in his presence and I'm overflowing so much, my hands are up. And but yet bless his name, is that I'm sitting on the back porch with him, and I'm talking to him, and I'm adoring him, but when bless his name, that means I've transitioned, and now I've left my chair, and I'm kneeling before Father, and I'm just blessing him and thanking him. I was on my knees saying how beautiful you are. I'm saying, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love. Do you know the Hebrew is his zeal for loving? (laughs) His zeal for loving endures forever. It's always hot. It's always hot. And his faithfulness is to all generations. (laughs) It's leaving everything behind. And with intentionality, saying, I'm going to sit here until a hunger, a longing, a joy, some noise of how much I long to be closer to you rises from me like a shofar from my spirit, and my soul will step aside. Worldly responsibilities will bow. My atmosphere will clear and I will rejoice and be in awe and be in wonder of you because I'm a small one, and I rejoice that I can't do anything without you. And in this place of awe and wonder, and humility, and intimacy with him. We are in position to hear his voice and to hear anything new he wants to say to us. We're sitting on his back porch, close and yet at the same time in the mystery of mysteries, in utter awe and speechless of his great love for us. It's a tender place. It's a place of the zeal of loving exchanged. He's pouring his zeal of loving on me, and by his grace, I'm pouring my zeal of wanting to love him on him, and we're moving in this oneness that is tender and that is a reprieve from the world where we are refreshed, refilled, and transformed. then he whispered a second passage at first it will look like it doesn't make sense Matthew 15:29 Jesus he went on from there and he walked beside the sea of Galilee he went up on the mountain and he sat down there and then great crowds came to him, and they were bringing with them the lame and the blind and the crippled and the mute and many others, and they put them at his feet and he healed them so that the crowd wondered when they saw the mute speaking and the crippled healthy, the lame walking, the blind seeing, and they glorified the God of Israel. This is a rare moment. There's not many like it in the Gospels. This is not typical healing time. Listen closely and hear it. Jesus, he sits down on the mountain. He's sitting, he's resting. In tenderness and love and sovereignty, Jesus sits. Great crowds come. And the image in the Greek is everyone in the crowd. This just undoes me. Everyone in the crowd was bringing a cripple or a lame or a blind person. The word, it literally is like they were carrying them. That this was not a crowd that was coming for themselves. This was not a crowd coming, oh, I want to see some miracles. This is a tender, loving crowd. Look at this. This isn't like the other places. And the image is that everyone in the crowd is so tender and so loving and so desperate. And and they're bringing their friends and their loved ones. They're carrying them. No small feet up a mountain if you've been in Galilee. They're carrying them. And the image is This great crowd, one by one, out of tenderness and love, they come. And they lay the one they love at the feet of Jesus. And their tender love meets his tender love. And he heals them. And the person rises. It's an orderly crowd, a quiet crowd. And the image is that they get up, and then they go stand, and the next person meets Jesus love to love and says, this is my loved one. And Jesus meets him love to love and heals him. And so slowly, bit by bit, Love and love, tenderness and tenderness, sacrifice to carrying them is sacrifice to come. They're meeting and they're having oneness. And the image is that after they're healed, they all stand over on the other side. And now the one that's healed and the one that carried them, they're pouring love on the next one in line and then the next one in line and the next one. And that nobody's rushing home because they got healed. They're just hovering in this one scene of oneness and tender love that is indescribable. Can you imagine being there? This crowd came not for themselves. They came out of love bringing. And tender love met tender love. And I love that there's no word here that Jesus dismissed the crowd. Because I think they all stayed. We don't know. He could have been there for hours, days. We don't know. But in between the lines, you can feel this was heavenly for Jesus. This had to be a kingdom of heaven on earth for him. There's no challenge. There's nothing selfish. There's no argumentation. There's just this awe and wonder of tender love. And while it was a historic event, while it was true, for me, this is prophetic of who we are called to be. That we are to walk that Psalm 100 in such awe and amazement and say, yes, I love being the small one that is led by you. I praise you. I thank you. He says, let me pour my love on you. And we're opening up and opening up. And then we, as the body, are to be the tender loving ones that we pick up and we carry the broken and the lame and the crippled and out of sheer tenderness we lay them at the feet of Jesus for him to heal them as our tender love and his tender love connect and the oneness They're healed. The oneness in that crowd had to be palpable. You don't read any other place about this kind of situation in the gospel. There's this and this, and oh, they're hungry, and this, and it's all love, it's all love. But here, it was as if they brought their loved one Jesus while he sat on the back porch and he just sat with them one at a time and they honored who he was and he poured love on them and everyone was changed. Recently there's a quote that a a woman made and it has captured me for probably a month and she said this i wondered what would it look like if christ truly ruled in every part of me i wondered what would it truly look like if Christ ruled in every part of me? And she said, Slowly, it came to me I would know God is. I would know that God lives because he would stand with all the power of his might and his goodness in my soul. And I would experience him as the Holy One. And love would fulfill its divine destiny between me and God and yet it would include love for all mankind, I came to see that this is a very fundamental step in the journey with Christ. Is it okay if I read that again? Is that okay? What would it look like if truly Christ ruled in every part of me? As I prayed, it slowly came to me. I would know God is. And that God lives. Because he would stand with all the power of his might and goodness in my soul. And I would experience him as the Holy One. and love would fulfill its divine destiny between me and God. And I would love all mankind. His invitation is here for all of us. These are the days. Swing wide swing wide. There's a new realm of oneness being released in this quarter.